Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. Always fired up when the iconic voice of Esther Lynn introduces this program. Welcome to a brand new edition of Between the Links. It is a big week in combat sports. Apologies for the delay, but we are here, we are live, and we are on the eve of the eve of UFC 279, Hamzat Shemaev versus Nate Diaz in the main event. We're coming off of a fun UFC Paris event over this past weekend, and there's a lot to discuss. So we're going to get right into it. But real quick, as you can see, it's once again around 1 p.m. Eastern. This will be the new start time moving forward on the show. On the show. So no longer 3 Eastern. We're shifting back a couple of hours. So mark your calendars accordingly. 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. The new start time for BTL moving forward. Now that that is out of the way, let us introduce the panel for this week. The combatants, if you will. First, he's coming off of a victory over New York Rick last week in a very positive yet spirited affair. He's from No Bets Bard. He's from Damn They Were Good. He's Mr. No Gray Area himself. He's bringing takes so hot and spicy, you need to have a gallon of milk sitting right next to you. Jed Mishu, how are you, buddy? I am so glad I beat Rick last week just because he's coming out and on the MMA Hour, great program, Parlay, throwing out Kevin Holland as a Parlay piece. Come on, my guy. D-Rod, we're going to get into it. Danny Rodriguez going to do the damn thing, and Rick's going to blow up the whole MMA Hour Parlay on his own. So I'm glad the fans knew the right choice to pick me the correct decision as always. There you go. And joining us for the first time on this show, let us welcome in a pro fighter that wears a lot of hats. She's fought in the UFC, Invicta, BKFC. She was successful in her pro boxing debut last month for Gamebred Boxing. Does color commentary for events such as Jorge Mazadal's Icon FC. And from the many conversations we've had over the years, one of the very sharp minds in the combat sports space. She just does it all as we say hello to Pearl Gonzalez. Pearl, how are you? How are you feeling for this program here? Hello, good morning. I am ready to kick his ass. That's what I'm ready to do. Yes. 
We are uh, we are off to the races right off the bat. Uh, well, let's see. Let's see how this all plays out. Let's get into it. We're going to go backwards to start here because, you know, in a sandwich, the bread is an important part of the sandwich. You need good bread to make it pop. But it's the meat, the stuff in the middle that really makes it delicious. So at the top of the proverbial sandwich that is BTL, we're going to start with UFC Paris. It was a fun event. The local fighters showed out 5-0 and for the French athletes which was capped off by the former interim heavyweight champion of the world, Cyril Gan, stopping Tai Tuivasa in a super fun main event. And it looked a, a little bit hairy for Mr. Gan when he got caught with the big right hand and floored in the second round, but he got back up and eventually went out there and finished the fight. So, Jed, we'll begin with you. This could be from the Gan side. It could be from the Tai side. What was your biggest takeaway from this fight? As I said, both of those dudes are shoe leather tough, man. Like... Honestly, I came into that, and we talked about it a lot, Mike. I came into that, I gave Tai Tuipasa a very, very little chance just because Siogan's the best striker in heavyweight MMA, like pretty cleanly. And I still think that is true. But the fact that Tai was able to find the shot hurt him. We learned a lot about Cyril because Cyril was able to power through, you know, the, the dim mock death touch right there. He got through, fought it out, and came back. And conversely, Tai Tuivasa. There was just zero quit in that man. We knew he was tough, but I don't think I ever knew he was that tough because even when he fought Derek Lewis, he maybe got hurt at, at times. He didn't get that hurt that frequently. I don't know that I've ever seen a man get hurt that many times in a fight and just continue to battle through it. I mean, the head kick that gone land that put a jolt through him for a minute, the numerous body shots that kept having Ty doubled over, like he... I just don't understand what stitches tied to Ivasa together because I, I don't even want to say a lesser man, like just any other man alive would have crumbled far sooner than, than he finally did after so much punishment. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we can talk about, you know, what's next and where these guys rank, et cetera. But for me, easily the biggest takeaway the whole weekend was both those dudes are just so friggin' tough. Pearl, what do you think? What did you? What was your biggest takeaway from Cyril Gan's win over Tai Tuivasa? Oh my goodness! First and foremost, let's talk about the body shots and how good was his game plan going into that fight? Knowing, I think that Cyril Gan gave a lot of respect to Tai Tuivasa. He knew it wasn't going to be an easy, you know, get him out of here. He knew that he was going to have to fight, and so what a beautiful game plan to attack the body. And he attacked it with his long, his long legs, you know, and that's the longest strike on our bodies. Cyril, knowing that he's the longer, lengthier opponent, really utilized that to the, his, to the best of his ability. So I thought that was just an absolute amazing game plan. Secondly, from Cyril Gunn, I saw his lateral movement and the way that he was moving. He was moving side to side, not in and out. I mean, he did do a little bit of in and out, but more so laterally side to side, looking and, and finding and searching for these angles. You don't see heavyweights move like that. Obviously, and I do agree with John here, he said that he is one of the best strikers or if not the best striker. I agree 100% he is. But man, the game plan, the composure of Cyril Gan in that fight, the ability to come back from, from that big shot that he took and, and stay composed and remain calm and still find these shots, find that, that body shot. 
and for Ty, geez, how many of those do you think was he ready to just crumble and, and, and lay down to? Those body shots were nasty. He was getting poked right in the sternum. And if you don't understand what that feels like, especially like when you're breathing, if you get hit with one of those, it shuts down your breathing. And so to constantly take those and, and you know, bite down on his mouthpiece and still try to find shots was incredible. I knew that Ty, I, I agree, I thought that Cyril was the better of the two in striking, but I also knew that Ty just needed one good shot. And if he could land that one good shot, it could be lights out. So it was a fantastic performance. All I have to say is what an exciting time right now for heavyweights, for the, for the male heavyweight division in all combat sports. Um, but yeah, what an incredible, overall incredible game plan by Cyril to attack the body first, to break the body down, and then find the, the, the closing, the show shot. Yeah, the composure isn't something that's really talked about all that much because he's coming off the loss to Francis. He's fighting in front of his home crowd. First UFC event in the area. Cool as a cucumber the entire time. So, Pearl, things are now very interesting. You talked about the state of the heavyweight division. It's in a decent spot, but it's also a little little bit in shambles right now because there's so many unknowns, right? What's Francis going to do? Is he going to resign? What's going on with the belt? What's going on with John Jones and Stipe? There's a lot of questions, and the UFC has pretty much set up this sort of mini contendership Grand Prix with Gon and Tuivasa and Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades, and Blades beat Tom Aspinall. Not what anyone wanted to see with Aspinall's injury, but... It is a win, so naturally, the direction should probably be Cyril Gaon versus Curtis Blades next, but Gaon has been no-selling it, saying he wants a title shot. He doesn't seem at all interested in any way, shape, or form with fighting Curtis Blades next. Do you think Cyril really has a leg to stand on here? Do you think it's definitely Curtis Blades and he doesn't really have a choice here, or do you think the UFC might go in a different direction? I think that it makes a lot of sense for Curtis Blades and Cyril Gaon to fight, especially due to Cyril's last last fight against Ngano when Ngano outgrappled him um, and won the fight via grappling. And, and we know that Curtis Blades is one of, if not the best wrestlers slash grapplers in this division. So it makes a lot of sense to, to find to give not only Curtis Blades that opportunity because he's deserving, he's been winning, you know, he's been putting on great performances. But to see if Cyril learned from that from that last test that he had, in which he didn't he didn't win that test, he didn't he didn't pass the test, so to speak. But at the same time, you have John Jones that is is really teasing here. I love that fight of Cyril and John. I mean, I think that those are two incredibly talented, very knowledgeable strikers. And to see those two would be a striking clinic for the world to kind of watch and see how that plays out. But, you know, it, it is. The, the division is in, is in a lot of, there's a lot of questions, but that's what I think makes this so exciting because there's so many different matchups that you can make. And then when Aspinall comes back, you know, he, seeing him, I think that I, I would like to see him fight Curtis Blades and see how that fight plays out. We didn't get to see anything in that fight. So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, which makes this so exciting. Jed, I just don't see how this goes any other way unless just multiple dominoes fall in Gon's favor. You know, John Jones would be interesting. That's a fight that obviously interests Gon, but man, a lot needs to happen at least for that to be the next fight, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, two, well, not a lot. Two things have to happen. One, Francis Ngannou has to 
not re-sign with the UFC, which I don't think he's going to do. I think he's going to leave and try and pursue other interests, more lucrative options. But if he re-signs, honestly, at this point in time, if he re-signs, they're probably just going to do Nganu Jones and Stipe gets left out in the cold, at which point then maybe – then that's up to Stipe, whether Stipe decides he wants to fight – you know, he loves to not fight. He's a huge fan of sitting and not fighting. He's done it for the last five years. He's incredibly good at the not fighting people part of MMA. So maybe he does that and then gone, then gone is left really with only Curtis Blades. Maybe Stipe says, hey, I'd like to fight again because I would love to fight John Jones or Nganu one last time for the belt. So I'll fight. Uh, Cyril Gan and maybe, maybe so maybe then he avoids the Curtis Blades train again I don't think it's going to happen I think Ngannou is going to leave and so when he leaves Stipe and Jones is the thing that the UFC is targeting it seems the most likely outcome that will happen by you know at the end of this year so they'll make that fight and then yeah Gan's just left with the only guy to fight being unless like something crazy happens in the next month or so or Stipe decides to not fight John Jones, then maybe Gon can step in there as an interim title fight. But I think he's just going to be forced to fight Blades, and I hate that. I hate that so so much. It's it's a great fight, two top five heavyweights, etc. That's fine, but it's among the least interesting ways you could match up all of these different action figures. You know, like if I had my druthers. I would say let's do Stipe Gon. That fight is far more compelling to me, and let's do uh blades jones or blades and gone like you any other way that you want to match up those four to five people i would prefer it but i don't think that's what's going to happen i think curtis blades is going to wrestle the crap out of zero gone and then gone's going to have to get two more wins to get back in the title conversation and curtis will still be five wins away from a title shot because the ufc has no interest <laughs> in getting him the belt despite the fact that he may well be the best heavyweight in the world so I hate that this is how it's going to happen, but it really feels like this is how it's going to happen. Last thing before we move on, I do want to spotlight the incredible performance from Robert Whitaker against Marvin Vittori. Masterclass is is a word that was thrown on a, a lot, and I actually think that's the right word to use here. This guy is just so, so good. He is the second best middleweight on the planet right now. It is unarguable. I know Alex Pereira could shift the conversation at MSG if he beats Adesanya, but right this second, Robert Whitaker is the second best middleweight in the world. But what we do know, Jed, is that Adesanya has two wins over Robert Whitaker. One was a very competitive fight. One was an absolute blowout. But we saw what a great performance from a former champion can do following a second loss to the champion, i.e. Max Holloway. So how in the hell do we matchmake Robert Whitaker now? Because obviously if Pereira wins, that changes things. But if he doesn't, what do we do? I think Max Holloway is a really interesting thing here because... A lot of people, uh, my recently defeated foe, New York Rick, on the I'll watch this. I will watch Izzy and Whitaker fight a million times. I said the same with Max and, and Volkanovski. That fight just happened. Do we forget the world class ass kicking Volkanovski handed Max? Like, I was one of the guys coming into that fight. Was like, that's fine. You want to do it, sure. But like, Volk's won twice. He's the better fighter. He's going to win a vast majority of these fights. I don't care if Max high rolls one. If we give him 10, he'll probably win one because he's a damn good fighter. But like, that's just how that's, this is how the cookie crumbles. Exact same scenario. Like it's identical. If Adesanya and Whitaker fought 10 times, 
Izzy's going to win nine of them. It's, and that's not a knock on Whitaker. It's, it's a bad style matchup for him. And Izzy is just a better fighter than him. And there's nothing wrong with being the second best guy in the world at something. It's genuinely incredible. You are better than 7 billion other people. That's okay. <laughs> I, if they run that fight again, fine. I'll watch it because it's high level MMA. They're both very compelling fighters. I don't care at all. Like I would be content if we never got a third one. I don't feel we need it. I know how that story goes. Fortunately, I think we won't have to get one because as much as Robert really seems to want that fight, Izzy, I think, has zero interest in it for a lot of obvious reasons. And I don't think things break out because if Pereira beats Adesanya, I don't think they run an immediate rematch back. Just because part of the selling process for that fight is Pereira already has two wins over him. So sure, different sport. It's it's a tougher promotional thing to be like, I know we sold this as this guy's beat him twice, and now he's beat him in MMA. So he's actually 3-0 and in a very, very similar discipline to this dude. Let's run it a fourth time. I think they'll just give Whitaker the middleweight title shot if Pereira wins. And I've been saying it for a long time. I think if Izzy wins, I think he's done. He has nothing left to prove at middleweight. He's beaten all of the guys. This would be the clear and perfect capstone for his middleweight career saying, all right, I've beaten everybody in the top five. I beat the guy that people thought could beat me, that had beat me before. I'm done. I'm moving up to 205 because he has said when he wants to go up, he's going to do it right this time. He's going to add on the weight and truly leave 185. So in either of those scenarios, I think Whitaker gets to fight for the title you know, summer of next year and without having to, without us having to do Izzy Whitaker three. So hopefully that's what happens because I'll be way less excited if it's just like, all right, well, Izzy's going to tune up Whitaker again for a third time. What do you think, Pearl? If you had the magic pencil here, how are you booking Robert Whitaker next? I don't, you know what I think that just excites me a little bit is what about Costa, Paulo Costa versus Whitaker? You know, Paula looked amazing in his last performance. And then we have Robert Whitaker, who looked fantastic. You see that he's improving every single fight. I agree. I don't think the Izzy fight makes a lot of sense right now. Although, I'll watch. I'm going to tune in if, if they do decide to fight. Perea's here. We really do need to figure out what happens between Izzy and Perea. That's an exciting fight, yes. But I ask, where does Paulo play play in this role? I mean, he's on a roll right now, if, if you ask me, as far as just his marketing. He looked fantastic in his last performance. You know that he's got his weight, weight under control, and he just seems like he's really dialed in. So I, I like that fight. I think that's an exciting one, and it's a fan-friendly fight. So I wouldn't mind seeing Whitaker versus Costa. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I, uh, I suggested an interesting option, and on to the next one, where... If things are held up for a little bit of time at welterweight and middleweight after, depending on what happens this weekend, Whitaker versus Hamzat Shemaev would be a lot of fun because Whitaker would clearly get a title shot with a win against whoever is the champion, whether it's Adesanya or Pereira or whoever, and Hamzat would be the number one contender in two divisions, and that's just too much fun in my eyes, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Let's move on to Mr. Shemaev a little more, shall we? He's one half of Saturday's main event, UFC 279. The point! For round one, goes to Jed Bishu. It's one to nothing. Oh, jeez. 
Pearl, Pearl obviously hasn't watched the program before because as most of you who are regular watchers and viewers of the program know that my points don't mean anything. It all comes down to the end. And this is just, this is just for pomp and circumstance, if we're being honest, just the excuse to play the sound, the sound bites, but. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we are almost here, everybody. It is Thursday as we're doing this. Hamzat Shemaya versus Nate Diaz. This Saturday, scheduled for the five-round welterweight main event, UFC 279 Las Vegas. A lot to unpack here because, obviously, it's Nate's final fight in this deal. Shemaya's the 11-0 killer. He's a massive favorite. I just looked. The, the betting line was back up to minus 1150 the last I checked. So, Pearl, I, I talked about this this morning. There's a difference between intrigue and excitement because with the storylines involved here, there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of intrigue. From most, not a lot of excitement because as the betting lines suggest, the majority of people feel that Nate is just going to go in there, he's going to get trucked by Hamzat Shemaev, and that the UFC is just essentially putting him out to pasture. But this is MMA. As we've seen in the sport many times, crazy, out of the blue things can happen. So... I'll ask you. I'm sure you're in, you're intrigued by all this, but are you excited for it as a fight fan? Are you counting down the seconds to Hamza Shamaya versus Nate Diaz? I am. I'm excited because I want to see how Nate Diaz plays this out, right? Is he going to come in? Is he going to be super gangster? Is he going to sit back? Is he going to put a lot of pressure on Hamza? Is he going to get knocked out immediately? Is he going to find some way to get to some leg or limb or back and try to and and potentially create a submission attempt for himself? It, it's a very interesting place. Is is Hamza going to kind of sit back and not grapple and and just let them to bang it out a little bit? It's an exciting, it is an exciting place. And and I'm a big Nate Diaz fan. So in this fight, like I, I want to believe that Nate can pull something off because as you said, anything can happen in MMA. It really can. 
And, um, and, and what I think makes it interesting is what Nate said yesterday when he said, fuck it, let him beat me, right? What, or uh, whatever his words were. He's accepted that he, there's, there's nothing, like, he can't lose because he's already the underdog. He's already look, being looked at as going to lose. And for me, that makes a very dangerous opponent because you remove all of the fear of losing when you're like, all right, let him beat me. Let him win. Um, and so I just would like to see how he plays out this last performance. I'm excited for it. I am. I'm excited for Nate Diaz. Jed, for those who have been paying attention to our program since this fight was announced, we've heard your thoughts. And typically with fights like these, the taste is, can be a little sour at first, and then we get to the card, and then the fight week comes, and slowly but surely, the anticipation builds, right? We had the media day yesterday with both guys. We're going to have a press conference later on. Both guys are scheduled to be there. We're two days away. Are you feeling the energy? Are you getting that good juju the closer we get to Saturday or not so much? No, this fight never had a chance to get me excited. Uh, I, I'm i honestly not even really morbidly curious. And on No Bets Barred, great program, my podcast ho- <laughs> co-host, uh, Connor Burks, he's, he's pumped. And so I recognize that other people are excited. They're interested they may, you know, everyone feels like we mostly know it's going to happen, but there is some intrigue for certainly for a lot of people out there. It's just not for me. I think this is, I have one question about this fight and it's a question that I don't need to watch to be answered. I, I could comfortably get the news the next day and, and be okay with it. But cause the only question is, does Nate try? <laughs> Like if, if Nate goes out, I've, I've been saying for months, uh, honestly, for about a year now that the funniest and best possible way for this situation to resolve itself is for Nate to walk out and tap immediately. As soon as the horn starts, just look at Dana White cage side and tap the mat three times and give up. And then he has fulfilled his contractual obligation. This entire farce of a pony show is done. He's free to do the things he wants to do. And we can all move on with our lives. And he's firing a big metaphorical two-finger salute to Dane on his way out. It's an incredibly Diaz way to end things. It would be hilarious. A lot of fans would hate the hell out of it. It would give me more joy than probably anything this sport has ever done. I think that's probably not likely to happen, though. He's probably just going to go out. He's going to fight. He's going to lose. And it's going to be sad. And it's all going to be very dumb. This is all entirely needless. And... This fight isn't for anyone. Like, at, who is this fight? This fight is for Dana White. It's the only person this fight is for. It's for him to send Nate Diaz out with a loss because that's the kind of petty individual that he is. And maybe it's good business. I frankly don't think it has any relevance to his business, but certainly some people are going to come gunned up for him and be like, oh, this is just smart promoting or whatever. This is just, All this does is make me feel bad. It makes me not want to buy this pay-per-view. I... And I don't care. I know how this fight is going to go. If Hamzat decides to stand up, he's still probably going to win the damn thing. And he's probably not going to. He's just going to tackle Nate Diaz and beat the hell out of him from on top. And I'm going to be sad that we watch this guy that we all respect so much and his beloved have to do this because of the structures of, of MMA, because of the way fight promotion works and the, the iniquities between the UFC 
thing, the entity of the UFC and the fighters that, that generate profit for it. And so I, there's no way for me to be amped about this fight. Like it's, it's not an interesting fight. It is mostly a terrible, sad fight. And the only way that I will ever be like, oh shit, I was all the way wrong is if Nate Diaz pulls out a miracle and he's not going to. So it doesn't like that. That's the only good outcome here is Nate Diaz pulling out a miracle. Everything else is going to make me feel like a worse person for being involved in this. All right. So you both said some interesting things that I want to jump on. Uh, I'll start with you, Jed, because Nate talked to the media day. He's got big plans moving forward. I think we've been talking about it for a while. This seems very obvious. Seems like Jake Paul will be an option at some point down the line. Of course, Jake is fighting Anderson Silva next month. He's got this new promotion that he just announced. And he's a freaking megastar. He wants to uh, he wants to be a bird, Jed. He wants to spread those wings. And a win, like you said, would be freaking incredible from a storyline perspective. But if he does that, maybe the UFC tries to keep him around. They back up the Brinks truck. I don't think that's going to happen. But I guess my question is, after hearing what both of you just said, Jed, can Nate really lose here? Like, he can lose the fight. He can get dominated. But no one, ex- very few expect him to win. He's already got a foot out the door. Most people understand what is happening here. Can he lose at all, stock-wise, outside of just getting a red mark on his topology page? I can't lose stock-wise, which is part of why this is so stupid. Like, there's the idea of I'm going to send Nate out on a loss or we're going to try and boost Hamzad up with a win over Nate. Both of those are fanciful like it's not no one's going to give a shit if nate loses and this isn't going to build hamzad up honestly hamzad has probably taken a bit of an l because everybody coming out and being like your whole nonsense with paulo costa makes you look like a punk so like this just isn't it's bad promotion uh so no but he can absolutely lose because it's fist fight and he is going to a thing that is literally jeopardizing his life not because he's fighting hamzad or whatever because he's fighting a person a professional fist fighter is going to try and physically harm him. He can absolutely lose in this. And that's what sucks about this is yes. If he wins the fight, unbelievable. One of the best things that ever happened in the sport when he loses, it will probably be in an, a like violent and terrible way because Nate Diaz is incredibly tough. Like that is whatever his flaws are as a fighter. And he has plenty Toughness ain't in one of them. Like this dude will go through a wood chipper and still keep trying to fight. And that's what's about to happen. And that isn't good for your long-term or short-term health. And so it's not going to be a situation where Hamza, you know, Gerald nearshards him and then the fight's over and even recover and rebound. He is going to probably take a prolonged beating, which is incredibly bad for him. And it's, as I said, it's entirely unnecessary. This fight Nate doesn't want to do this fight. Nate just wants to leave. This is the price he has to pay to get out of the organization. And the fact that that's like common knowledge and everybody's just sort of, yeah, okay. Like, I guess that's what we're doing. It feels really, really shitty to me, man. Like really shitty. Pearl, what do you think? As far as Nate goes, I mean, obviously you don't want to get beat up and and injured. We don't want to see that happen. But in terms of like his star power, like, what does this fight do to him? I mean, we saw in the Leon Edwards fight, he got dominated for 24 minutes. He landed one shot, had Leon on wobbly legs, and everyone's like, hey, in the streets, Nate Diaz just beat the hell out of Leon Edwards, even though he lost the fight in, you know, pretty dominant fashion. So 
What do you think Nate Stock looks like after this fight? And then Jed made an interesting point about Shamayev because if you're going to book a fight like this, typically it's to get like a new star over off of the name of another star who's leaving the company. But I, I, how much more over can Hamzat Shamayev get right now? Because he's already super over already. Beating Nate Diaz, like how much more over can he get? You know, first let me say, Jed, Jed, I called you John earlier. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's tough. He is tough. You're tough. Um, I, I, I disagree, though. I think that there's a lot to win in this. First and foremost, anytime you're the main event for the largest organization in the world, that's huge. The amount of traffic you get, the amount of eyes you get on you, um, the features that they're putting out there, all the embeddeds, it's, it's huge for Nate. Then you have Hamza and Hamza's um, his people and his, you know, following that are tuning in that are obviously everyone thinks, Oh yeah, he's going to win. But Nate's taking this fight because he's a fighter and he likes to fight. Yes. There's the, the whole thing of getting out of the contract, but like if, if not too long ago, Nate was talking about fighting, uh, Francis Ngano and he, he was calling out <laughs> Hamza and saying how he wanted any fight. I just want to fight. So this is, this is the fight. And I think that, you know, the whole Hamza, I'm a gangster, which he is. I've never seen someone sit on top of a cage waiting for their opponent to enter the octagon. You know, there's a lot of fun things that make this fight exciting and also make it for both of these gentlemen to win. Both of them are exposing each of their followings and their, and their um, what's the word? What's the word? Let me think of the word. I can't think of it, but their followings, right? So they're, they're exposing that to each other. And then Nate announces his real fight promotion. That's huge for this fight week. That, that's going to help him build. So absolutely. And yes, he gets out of his contract, whatever that may be. He said he might come back. I mean, for as much as he said yesterday, he also said he doesn't know if he's coming back. So there is that, that he might come back. And if you really think about Nate Diaz's whole entire career, he hasn't really been the easiest to get along with and to do business with. And he's always kind of been fuck you to everyone. And so uh, a lot of this makes some sense to me. And um, I think it is. If, if Nate can pull out, pull a freaking rabbit out of his hat and, and do the impossible this weekend, which is very, very possible. Because, I mean, look at Juliana Pena and the Amanda Nunes. It could very well happen because this is the fight game. This is what makes the fight game so exciting. If he can do that, now he's the GOAT. Now he's this, you know, now he's immortal in a sense. Um, and he's that gangster that we all hope and wish to see this weekend. And if Hamzat wins and he wins in a fashion where he makes this fight very fun and, and, and it makes it exciting, then yes, his stock rises as well. So I think for both of these gentlemen, it is a win-win situation. Um, for either of them, it also puts them both in a main event spotlight, which helps their platforms grow. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on this. It's a lot of positivity. It's a lot of positivity. <laughs> uh, and we, we, and we may need that positivity because say, I'm not bringing to any to this to 279 talks. So. Yeah. I was going to say, Good, I'm we're, glad about to, got we're, it. we're about, we're about to discuss the rest of the card. So the point for round two goes to. I'm anointing her the queen of positivity. Pearl Gonzalez. It's one-to-one. -one, trying oh, to get people fired up. I think she sold a couple of pay-per-views with that little speech right there. I, res so. I respect the positivity. Yes. Uh, the positive. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, so, so, all right, let's head to the rest of the card. And I hope you have that positivity handy, Pearl, because Jed, we'll start with you. We'll have to start off in a different way because you have been very critical of this card from Jump Street and you've not been alone on this and understandably so. We do have the addition of Tony Ferguson who's fighting Lee Jing Liang in his welterweight return. It's a head scratcher, but Tony's on the card. People like Tony Ferguson. Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez matchup, super duper fun. Love that fight. Irene Aldana, Macy Chiasson, fun fight. There are stakes involved. The rest of the card, yes, there's some fun fights, but comparatively speaking, as far as past UFC pay-per-view cards, this is certainly not the best on paper that we have seen this year. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that this won't be a good watch. I'm not saying this card's gonna stink, don't watch it. There's a very good chance we come out of this saying, see, this was fun after all. But Jed, the closer we get to Saturday, has your stance changed at all? Are you viewing this card? At least a decimal point for your grade, has it gone up at all? It's gone up very, very slightly over the past couple of months. Uh, I mean, the Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez fight is awesome. So that just helps the fight card a lot because that fight is, I mean, I would love that to be the main event. That would rule. I would watch the hell out of 25 minutes of those two dudes going at it. Uh, the Tony Ferguson leech fight is awful and I don't want to talk about it because it's bad. Um, but there are some other things like Hakeem Duwadu, Julian Arosa should be pretty fun. Uh, love me some Jelton Almeida. That dude is, uh, appears to be a very, very, very legitimate prospect. Chris Barnett, Huggy Bear, you know, that could be fun because he tends to be at least an interesting individual. There's also just a lot of bad on this. So I can't, I've been saying this is the worst pay-per-view in recent memory. And I think that that's still true, but there are at least some things that are better. The Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez fight is doing a lot of heavy lifting to make me not like actively be like, you shouldn't buy and watch this fight card <laughs> because that fight is incredibly fun. But I still think it probably is the worst pay-per-view in the past year or two. Pearl, what do you think of this lineup as a whole? Start to finish. I mean, we're paying for the main card, right? Fans are going to be poning up 75 bucks for it. The main card is not all that bad. But when we look at start to finish, 6 p.m. Eastern on, what do you think of the full lineup? Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting time and a great opportunity for some of these athletes to really shine and put on a, a big performance. There aren't the biggest names. There aren't, there aren't the most exciting fights on that undercard. But like he said, I really I love Chris Barnett. I'm a big fan of him. He's he's a fan fr friendly. He comes out and he's dancing and doing all these crazy flips and dances and stuff. So he's going to make that exciting. But it gives an opportunity for these up and comers, for these names that aren't as big, to really put on an exciting performance and shine. Um, I agree. The, uh, the 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 Holland fight is incredible. I think that's going to be a fun one. Those two are savages. They're probably going to stand and go toe to toe. I kind of like this Ferguson fight and this and and Lee. I can't even say his name. I can't even say his name. I like you can that say fight. Lee. He's an exciting. Say it again. You can just say Lee. That's Lee, fine. Lee. Lee. Yes, Lee. 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 I'm gonna say the last name. But Lee, I you know he's he's tied for some of the most knockouts. He's got a nasty right hand. He's an exciting fighter. 
he's in in his losses. He's had he has three. In those three, two of those were by submission and rear naked. And so that gives to me Tony this opportunity, who hasn't been performing as well as we've all wanted him to. It gives him an opportunity to kind of. To, to bring back some of that Tony Ferguson. And he is creative on the ground. He is creative in his grappling. So to see if he can get past the hands and kind of close that distance and, and get his hands on Lee and potentially get some sort of fun submission, I think that would be huge for him. And I think that it's very much needed. Um, so that fight excites me as well. But yes, the undercard isn't the biggest names, but it gives these younger athletes, these up-and-comers, the opportunity to shine. I want to bring this question to you because you are a pro fighter. You have been in the ring. You've been in the cage. This was brought to me this morning on our Twitter Spaces show, talking about Tony Ferguson because he's had a rough go of it at 155, bad knockout loss to Michael Chandler in May, and he's coming back up four months later after that knockout to fight Li Jing Liang. So from a fighter's perspective, and you can interpret this question in whatever way you'd like, what is Tony Ferguson fighting for on Saturday? What is at stake for him at this point in his career? I think it's, it's ending on that note. You know, as a fighter, as an athlete, you believe that you are the best. And, and you never want to go out on a losing streak like he has on, on some of these performances. I mean, not too long ago, very shortly ago, a couple years ago, he was, you know, deemed one of the greatest ever. And he was on this huge, lengthy, long win streak. And the other thing with, with Tony is he's an athlete. That is, he's a real elite athlete. He just wants to compete. He wants to test himself and he wants to improve every single time. And, and for these fights, he's had these last fights that were tough, man. That last one was nasty. He's, he's just looking for redemption. And I think if anybody, he's, he's proving to himself that he still is, you know, that he is that fighter that he's always believed him to be. And also not to go out on a note. No one wants to go out. No fighter wants to go out on a note like he did in his last performance. So you need to come back and, and prove to yourself and also leave the game on a high note. So I think most importantly, this is to, to prove to himself what his abilities are. Jed, same question. What is El Kakui fighting for on Saturday? I... Uh a paycheck i i think he is fighting for something he is grasping at straws to reinvigorate his career i don't think it's gonna happen for him he's 38 he is starting to look quite old uh i have always thought that his particular style would not age all that gracefully uh and i think he's just he just doesn't have it anymore. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like time comes for us all. We all lose our fastball. He was the second best dude in the world for a good stretch of years. It's an incredible achievement, especially when you're just behind one of the 10 best fighters ever. Like that's it's a hell of a run. I think he is, like I said, I think he is trying to find a way to, to get back, to chase the magic, to get it back. And, We've heard a bunch of fighters talk like retire recently. Right? Donald Cerrone said this uh, in his post-fight thing. You know, I I knew that I was done a long time ago, but uh, you know, I talked to these people and they said their biggest regrets were leaving their sports too soon or feeling like they had something left to give. And so he stayed in longer than he needed to, and he admits this that because I was trying to get it back, I was trying to chase it down and and 
see if there was anything left, any juice left to squeeze out of this. You heard Luke Rockhold say something very, very similar when he retired. I gave this my everything, and I just don't have it anymore. That's Tony. Like Tony just doesn't have it anymore. He is still a good fighter, and if you gave him worse fighters to fight, he could excel and succeed, but that's not how he's been booked, and I don't think that's how he wants to fight. That's why he's fighting you know, a top 15 welterweight in his first time in the division. So it's – he – I think he hasn't come to grips with it. And so he is fighting to either prove to himself that I am done or to recapture the magic and hope to do something. I just don't think he's going to be able to do it. And it's going to be five in a row. And that's a really, really tough hang. You see why this, you see why I hate this event? This event is bad vibes, man. Like it's just really bad vibes. Your top two fights are the end of cool people that are beloved. And I'm not even a big Tony guy. I was a Habib dude the whole time. But it's still like, this sucks. Like, this is just bad vibes. Well, the UFC is not the only game in town on Saturday. And maybe some of these other cards will will give us some good vibes. So we will head to the final round of regulation. The point for round three goes to... We got to stick with the good vibes. Pearl, it's two to one. (laughs) Speaking the truth. (laughs) Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So we're going to play a fun game, a game within a game. We're going to play a game of what would you rather watch because there are other events going down on Saturday Besides UFC 279, let me just look at it here. Uh, We have KSW, which will be fun. Not in the discussion here because KSW events are always fun. But it won't get that much play and interest here, which is unfortunate because I freaking love KSW events. Uh, There's a big, it's a big weekend for women's boxing. So hopefully, and we'll see what happens because we just found out that Queen Elizabeth passed away. So for those affected by that, apologies to all of you. So we'll see what happens with that event. But I do want to focus on two very different combat sport events that are going to get a lot of play here as far as interest levels go for the website. We have BKFC 29 going down in Montana. Main event, Britton Hart. She was supposed to fight Fanny Palumpi for the inaugural BKFC Strawway title. Found out yesterday, Fanny has visa issues. So Teresa Sagala is stepping in on three days notice to fight Britton. Joe Riggs is on the card former UFC title challenger. He's fighting Josh Dyer in the co-main event. And BKFC cards are always interesting to watch. Also, for those who are into this, and I know you tune into BTL just so we can talk about this stuff, more celebrity and influencer boxing, social gloves, main event. We have Austin McBroom versus Anison Gibb, two people I've never heard of. Nick Young, former NBA player, supposed to box Blueface, but apparently... Andy Foster and the California State Athletic Commission was like, nah, we ain't giving Blueface a license. So not sure what's happening there. Adrian Peterson versus Le'Veon Bell is on this card. So some little uh, little running back collision action, some former running back greats. And uh, what I just found out earlier, even 
Corey Wharton, who if you watched MTV's The Challenge, he's been on that show very many, a lot of times. He is apparently also fighting on this card. So, Pearl, I'm going to start with you. If you could not leave your house and a magic genie came in and said, hey, I'm going to let you turn this television on, but you can only pick one of these events and you have to watch this event. You can't find out what's happening at the other. Are you watching BKFC? Are you watching Social Gloves? What are you picking? She's stoic. Stoic with the question. All right, Jed, we'll go to you. Yeah, frozen by my by my downerisms. Uh, this is I'm really glad I get to go first because I don't think it matters. I think she's gonna pick BKFC, but if she didn't, that would suck. Uh the answer is social gloves. I don't think it's particularly close. <laughs> I'm not one. Uh when half of look, Britain Hart's cool. Um, and I'm but I'm a lot less interested in Britain Hart versus somebody on two days' notice. Uh and when this next best selling point you have is Joe Diesel Riggs, the fight master himself, uh, that's just continuing the bad vibes train because Joe Riggs still fighting in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm good. I, I don't need that in my life. I am not here to tell you that social gloves is good. I will also say, Mike, you definitely know who, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Anison Gibb is just because he is he's responsible he is the first man jake paul defeated in professional boxing oh is, yes, is, yes, is yes. that dude so he's responsible for all of that magic that has happened <laughs> i don't know who the hell austin mcbroom is i don't really care about it uh but i said this last i think it was last weekend that i was covering whatever the other dumb boxing thing that was um and i'm not here it's it's bad fighting like it's obviously bad fighting People, some people are very interested in it. I am not in general, but I would be lying if I said I didn't have some kind of morbid curiosity and interest because you got to think about it like this, right? When we watch MMA, we're watching elite fighters do elite things, the best, best of the best, high, you know, as Jose Young's likes to say, world-class competition. And that's great. And I respect the hell out of that. But I will also be just as happy to watch my two buddies when we're out drinking, just start fighting each other. You know, we're in the backyard. We're knocking back a few. One guy oversteps a little bit. Other dude pops in the mouth. Now my two friends are wrestling around. They don't know shit about fighting. I'll watch the hell out of that and laugh. And that's what this is because I don't know who the main event of, I don't know either of those guys. So that's less, but I damn sure know who Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell is. And so then it just feels like I'm watching my two buddies who don't really know how to fight, but I at least have a history with, I know some things about him. I'm watching those guys fist fight. Swaggy P Nick Young is hilarious. Just as an individual person, I, I only know about Thadiana from Blueface, and I know that he's no longer even fighting. So I don't know who they're going to get for Swaggy P to, to swing on. But you get if they can immediately find some random NBA player to beef up with Swaggy P, that will also be interesting and fun, at least in like the stupidest, lowest hanging fruit possible. And then, you know, reality stars, Cody Warren, baby challenge. Let's go. Like this is, these are people that I at least have some tacit understanding about as opposed to the randos who are fighting BKFC undercards. And I don't have to appreciate quality fighting. I can just laugh at the absurdity of it all. So give me social gloves all day long. That is going to be a hot take and no one's going to respect it, but I don't care. Influencer boxing is a thing now and y'all just better get on board. All right. 
You heard the social glove side of the argument, Pearl. Are you are you on team social gloves as well, or are you tuning into BKFC if you could only pick one? Uh, I definitely would rather watch social gloves than BKFC. Um, uh, I think that the main event is there's a little interest in the BKFC. Uh, I fought both of them, and I think that Sharissa taking this fight on three days' notice, yes, she's a gangster for that, but... Um, and she's done well. She has done well since I fought her, and she has improved her skills. She had a fantastic camp. She was supposed to fight Paige Van Zandt. She went out to um, to uh, Albuquerque and, and is over there at Greg Jackson's. And so you can, I'm sure her skills are slightly improving. This is a good weight class for her. She is a, a smaller uh, 25er. Um, and Britain obviously has been competing. She fought for the belt in her last fight. Um, and, and, you know, put on a decent performance against, uh, Ferreira, but this fight doesn't make any sense to me. So I would rather not watch it. The social gloves, like he said, sounds exciting just because when you have non-fighters fight, their reactions to getting hit is kind of hilarious. Um, watching them trying to fight, throw down it to me is just, it's funny. So that makes it exciting. But I also, I think what I'm most excited for is the, is the women's boxing, man. That's a, that's a big big night for women's boxing. You've got two two big championship belts on the line, Michaela Mayer versus um, Alicia Baumgarter. That's going to be a bomb fight. And then obviously you've got uh, Clarissa Shields. I don't remember the other girl's name who knocked her in her last in her last fight. She knocks the girl out and goes running straight to Clarissa and says, I'm fighting you next. I'm knocking you out next. So those are two really big fights for boxing. This is a huge card for women's boxing, probably one of the biggest ever. That makes it really exciting. I'd rather watch that than uh, than either uh, Social Gloves or BKFC. All right. Let's get the two shot. We heard the arguments. The point for round four goes to... I mean, look who's bringing the positive vibes now, Jed Bashu. <laughs> I mean, you might have just you sold. You wouldn't let me pick KSW. KSW is the uh, correct choice, but you, you wouldn't let me pick that one. Well, I mean, yeah, this is a low-hanging fruit <laughs> so, show. Uh, yeah, so I had to pick social gloves. That's right. Okay, so you know what that means. It means it's knockout round time, and I have to say, especially with these two personalities here, I am very excited for this particular knockout round. One minute will be on the clock. They will each have the same amount of time to answer the question or this, maybe answer the question isn't enough here, but I'll go into that in a moment. But once that is over, we will put a poll, if it's not already there, on the YouTube channel and you guys can cast your vote on who wins, Jed or Pearl. We'll bring in Mr. 3024 himself, E. Casey Lydon, on to announce the winner. So Jed, you have the prerogative. What are we doing? I... I'm from the South. My mama raised me, right? Ladies first. Okay. Pearl, we're going to have some fun here. Uh, the beauty hey. of this question is that nobody understands and nobody knows what we're going to do here. So you are the, you have been crowned the queen of positivity. So I think you're going to have some fun with this. We are going to live in a, in a really fun world. Okay. We're going to go into the future to a world that not a lot of people feel is going to exist but we're going to put it out into the ether anyhow. You, while you're Pearl Gonzalez, for this next minute, you are going to be Nathan Diaz. Okay, you're going to be Nathan Diaz. And you just did the unthinkable. You just went in there. 
You took a beating from Hamzat Shemaev. You flipped the man the birds. And then you went out and you stopped him in the fourth round. You are Nate Diaz. You just stopped Hamzat Shemaev in the fourth round. Joe Rogan's about to interview you, but you just take the mic out of his hand. You have one minute to be Nate Diaz. Speak on the mic. Cut that promo on the way out. Your time starts now. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. I told you I was going to beat this piece of shit's ass. Fuck you, Dana. <laughs> Fuck you, UFC. Fuck all you guys. I'm the real fucking fighter. I'm the realest motherfucker in here. That's why I started the real fight promotion where all the real fighters are going to fight. Uh, and fuck you, Hamza. I'm taking your money. I'm taking your fucking people. Fuck all you guys. I'm out. I mean, that's actually perfect right there. That's actually <laughs> might be enough. And I regretted the question about four seconds into it because that was fire and <laughs> ugly. Oh, shit. We, I don't think we could be demonetized. I don't know if Jed could beat that, which is even better. That was tremendous stuff. All right, Jed. I mean, listen, these, these are the rounds you shine, but oftentimes in this game, when you have the champion's prerogative, sometimes it's great to go first. Sometimes it's great to go second. You pass it on. You're probably regretting it right now. So super, Jed, super Nathan regretting going Diaz, second. <laughs> you just did the unthinkable. You just beat Hamzat Shemaev. You have the microphone in your hand. Go. Jake Paul, you're taking everything I worked for, motherfucker. Like, that's <laughs> that's it. Like, I don't... Uh, Fake-ass gangster, hom, Kazmat, I I just tapped him. Like, there's... I don't even know. I'm so rattled right now. That was such an ass-kicking. Oh. There's just no... There's no... She literally nailed it. Like, you know that scene in, uh, in Old School where they're doing the debate and Will Ferrell blacks out and, <laughs> and then the Raging Cage is like... I have no rebuttal. That was perfect. That's that's my answer. I have no rebuttal to Pro Gonzalez. That was perfect. Wow. That was like the final battle in Eight Mile right there where Eminem just spit fire <laughs> oh, and just Papa hang Doc up. just quit. Just quit on the stage. All right, but listen. My real name's Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence from Cranbrook. All right. I mean, listen, we you did get to speak, and maybe your 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 nobility mm-hmm. might Sway the peeps. Maybe it'll nope. sway the peeps in your favor. Uh, you did allow Pearl to go first, Southern Gentleman way. So maybe they will they will take that into consideration. So cast your votes right now. And while you I do that, I will waste some time. I will waste some time. Uh, tomorrow, or we get the press conference for UFC 279, which you watch on MMA Fighting a little bit later on today. Great website, right, Jed? And then we have heck of a warning, 9 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Great show. Uh, we're going to start a little bit earlier. And then we're going to have our live weigh-in show, noon Eastern time for UFC 279. Preview show, 3 p.m. Eastern. So get ready for that. And then, of course, on we'll have the ceremonial weigh-ins. Jose is on site. Saturday, we'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show, 5.15 Eastern time. We'll take all your questions, get your thoughts until the first punches are thrown. And then we'll have all your post-fight coverage, of course. Press conference. Then we'll have the post-fight show. And then on Sunday, AK and I live back here, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday for the matchmaking show on to the next one. So much going on over the next several days. Casey, have I wasted enough time? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, let's just do this. We got- <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a formality. Let's, let's handle it up. All right. One moment, please. All right. <clears throat> do, 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 do. All right. <laughs> 
All right, we got the votes in. Do, 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 do. do the numbers, do the numbers. All right, closing the poll. <laughs> do the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Your winner today on Between the Links is... Oh, man, it's going to be... Hold on. Oh. I, I got flustered, too, by the way. I, I'm, I, it threw me off, too. <laughs> The queen of positivity, Pro Gonzalez. There we go. I mean, it was almost a forfeiture at that. It, it, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, why am I here? Why, why, why do I get paid? Why do I get paid for this? this is, any, 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 any monkey can do this. Clearly, Pearl won. Jeez. Wow. Well done, yeah. Pearl. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you don't get any. You don't get any money for the win, but we do give you thirty seconds to take the floor and talk about whatever you want to talk about, good, bad, indifferent, MMA, something you want to plug for yourself, the floor is yours. Oh my goodness. Uh, I just want to say thank you and make sure you guys tune in. Uh, Jorge Masvidal's next icon show will be in Savannah, Georgia, October 15th. Incredible show. We have Ilya Tapora's brother saying hello to the world and coming in and making his U.S. debut, which will be absolutely huge. Alex Coria fighting. Um, so tune in. We've got some big fights coming. That's it. I love how you Pearl said the out. magic words. You said the magic words, Pearl. Savannah, Georgia, baby. I oh, can baby. run to Savannah, Georgia in like a half an hour right now. So I'm very excited. Chance, There's a very good chance I'll be in the building for that. Jed, your thoughts on what just transpired? I'll go. You know, being from Savannah, got a lot of friends and family. That sounds fun. Uh, I rarely believe that I lose this show because I don't. Um, I mostly beat the hell out of anyone put across from me. I'll take this one. I will take this L. Well done, Pearl. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Pearl Gonzalez just humbled Jen Bashu. I didn't think. I feel a lot like Marvin Vittori right now. We're just, <laughs> I pick up the mic in Italian. Hey guys, sorry. He's really good. My bad. Like that's it. I, I know Marvin Vittori very well right now. Wow. Well, with that said, Casey, you can hit the music. You can hit the exit exit tunes. Try to hit the post like an absolute savage. But thank you for joining us. Big weekend ahead of us, UFC 279. All the coverage from multiple events on Saturday you can find right here on MMAfighting.com. We'll be back next week, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. So for Jed Bashu, Pearl Gonzalez, our new champion, E. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Maybe we'll take you home. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back next week between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you this guys. has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.